Hey guys, so I'm Jordan. I'm Lewis. And this is Business Blues and Booze. This is part two of our last episode on May 5th. So this is going to be our analysis of what we talked about. So again, just real quick, kind of what this is, is that we are going to be splitting up our segments into two parts. Um, one is a shorter summary that if you just want the facts and you want fast, you get those in the summaries. And if you want, if you hear something that you want to hear more in depth or you want the full stories, um, you can listen to these analysis segments and we'll give those to you. All those details, the numbers, you know, all the research that we do, we'll kind of share that stuff here. And we're going to keep these to around 30 minutes and we're going to keep those summaries to closer to 15 minutes. So if you want to listen to both, it's around 45 minutes. Um, so kind of jumping off. Because our, our regular summary this past week was not 15. Our summary was like 30 so, minutes. So. <laughs> which we might do too is we could do, we're, I'm going to talk about it just live on air because why not? We can maybe do uh, the, either the booze or the blues not as part of the summary to save some time. If not, yep. but, we'll, but we'll leave that to you. I'll just we'll throw it in here and say if anyone strongly doesn't want that to happen, they want the summary a little longer so they can hear that mm-hmm. and just say so. But if not, I mean, we can try and keep the summary to closer to 17 minutes too, you know, and yeah. um, 17 to 20, and we can include those segments at the end. So we're playing around, guys. You know, we're trying to learn. But this is yeah. the basic structure of what we're doing is one is more of a summary. One is more of an analysis. And as you'll notice, we have our very nice logo mm-hmm. as our backdrop on Zoom. If you're tuning into the video, <laughs> um, if you're listening, that's fine. Just know that we have that. Yeah. Um, you can so, see the logo anyway. Hey, you can see it right there. Yeah. <laughs> you're looking at it. So um, real quick, since our last... Uh, talking we have officially broken 300 listeners so again we're really really excited uh you know our second yeah kudos to us kudos to you guys everyone for tuning in um all the support we've been getting um so a lot of kudos to the other people in america we have a lot of viewers in ohio and i saw that dublin ireland is our second highest listeners uh in the analytics so you know whoo glad glad to have you guys over there glad you guys are listening um so jumping off, you know, we'll kind of try and, you know, keep this rolling. So I've talked a lot about supply chain. So today I'm going to be talking in about 15 minutes. I'll be talking about a introduction as to how supply chain works, where's it going, kind of incorporating technology and robotics. So supply chain, there's two different sections of business. There's basically the demand side and the supply side. And so the demand side is all the sexy jobs that you hear about. So that's all the finance, the marketing, you know, all the jobs that most people go into and that most of the time you hear about, um, there's a whole other section of business, which is, it's probably one of the largest sections of business, but it is like the defend, the, de- the defense of business. They don't get, they get no credit at supply chain. So supply chain obviously is dealing with supply. So that's basically, there's many, many, many parts of it, but basically it is how does, how does the product get purchased and go to the customer? That is just a very quick, how does supply chain work? So, you know, Lewis, when you first heard of supply chain, what did you think of it? Well, I think I thought of, um, I thought of like chain link. It's that's funny because it, that's actually going to come up because blockchain is super important. Now, that's actually something we want to talk about in our next episode. We want to focus a lot on blockchain. So, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But that actually is something that they're incorporating in supply chain is blockchain, which is really, really cool. Um, so yeah, that's what typically people think of is something like, how does the chain work? And also people, people have typically heard of supply chain in terms of shipping. Now that's a hundred percent true, but that's only the tip of the iceberg. 
So, you know, as we kind of look at the rest of it, you know, it, it, they have their own business cycles. They have everything working. So they go in just basics, you know, there's different formations of how supply chain can work, but it, just in general, it's how does a product get from a place to a person? Um, so, we, you know, we see some companies like Unilever, McDonald's, Walmart. Um, I'm looking right here. I have a report up. So just in case you see me looking off camera, um, Cisco, Amazon. So Amazon started off as a bookseller and then after many other transitions, they became a major e-commerce. Now they're actually transitioning and they're one of the largest supply chains right now, which is, that's amazing. Now they're handling supply chain for other companies um, and they have warehousing. They're really, really good at what they do. Um, so, you know, there's some articles from, and I'm gonna butcher the name, Koishio Tezuka. They wrote an article about the logistics of something called third party, uh, third party logistics, which is basically where if I'm a company and I'm selling uh, watches and I'm like, okay, cool. I have this watch business. I have no idea how to actually get it from a manufacturer to the person. I don't have any idea. All I know is the marketing. That's okay. I run my company. I hire a company, a, a separate company, a third party company to handle my logistics, to basically uh, make sure that everything is running efficiently, that it's being scaled. So that's where companies like Amazon, DHL, which people usually think of the big yellow vans uh, with the red letters, you know, they handle a lot of that, but they don't deliver stuff to your home. They're in more of the larger supply chain. DHL is one of the largest supply chains uh, in the world, but, and they also focus a lot on 3PL as many other companies do. So basically if you have, you have your company, you hire this third party logistics company, they handle the shipping, they handle everything to get the product, the fulfillment. So basically, as I order, if, I, if some customer orders my watch product, this hypothetical company, so if they order a watch, a company has to go through fulfillment to get that product into the specific package and then ship it to me. So that's what all that supply chain does. They fulfill the order, they distribute it, they can get it to different sections. So it could go from a raw material and then it goes into a distribution center, which is basically where all these packages come in in like a network and they come into this one location and then they spread out again, you know? So if you think about like in a manufacturing sense, you're bringing all of the steel and all the rubber and Kevlar and you're bringing it all together and you make the tires, right? So that's all coming in, making it one location. But then if that location, like let's use Goodyear, their factories in Akron. I mean, they have factories in other, other locations. Um, but let's just say they're, they're in Akron, you know, and they have to ship it to somebody over in, Texas, you know, how does it, how the hell does it get there? So that's what supply chain does is it makes that process the most efficient process possible. And there's a lot of things that are happening in this section that are making supply chain extremely, extremely advanced and very efficient, almost more efficient than humans. And that's something we'll talk about uh, coming up pretty soon. So that's how third party logistics works. And that's kind of a nutshell of, of uh, supply chain. So supply chain is a multi-billion dollar industry and it's only going up, you know, as e-commerce goes up, so does supply chain, so does any other. So now I wanna talk about robotics and I'll try and keep this as concise as I can. Basically in, I guess Lewis, do you have any questions? I have any questions? Or any questions <laughs> that you think our, our listeners might uh, have that I can that answer will be relevant? Yeah, so. I guess how does how is it different to manage a supply chain than it would be to be like Michael Scott in the office? <laughs> well, he's probably the best manager ever, so I mean, <laughs> no one can compare to him. No, um, so I mean, so 
he, he's working in an office and that's what I talked about. They focus on the demand side of, of, of the industry, of the business industry. So they're focusing on trying to get people to buy their product. They're keeping track of the money. They're keeping track of all of that. Supply chain has accountants and marketing and all of that as well, but that's a typical thing. So let's say you're, that's a great example. So or you're, you're, well, sorry, your question was on how do they manage? How is managing a different? Okay. So in supply chain, they have all those moving parts as well, just like, you know, the Dunder Mifflin would have in their main office or their branch office. So it's very different because when you're managing an office like that, you're handling, you know, accounting and finance and all of those things, but they're all very closely networked in together. When you're handling supply chain, this is not necessarily all done in one building. This is done across almost an entire country in most of the, most of the stands. So you're basically handling getting the paper from the manufacturer, from the people who chop down the trees to the people who make the paper and you're getting the paper from that place. You're getting the raw material for the product. Then you have to get that material or that product to a warehouse to then be sorted out and shipped to people. You know, so it's a very different type of, um, of, of leadership and of, of management because you're managing a lot of different parts, but all in all you're managing and dealing with people, you know, it's still people, at least as of right now, unless robotics comes in and is a major part. So does that answer your question? I think so. I hope that it was more informative for listeners too. Okay. Yeah. I, I, think I, about it. I might cover more as I kind of go. So the, the actual proper term for the management of supply chain is called SCM, supply chain management. And there's a bunch of articles about it. Um, and I'm sure at some point we will cover more on that stuff as well. But so let me dive in a little more. So just to get into technology. So in technology, you know, augment or artificial intelligence, augmented reality, those are very, very big sections right now. So basically as it goes through, as I talked about, when you're ordering a package, you have to get the package, the product into the package and then ship it out. That process, that fulfillment process is so difficult in order, in terms of making it efficient, making sure that the people put the right products in the right places. It doesn't sound that hard, but it really is. You have to run inventory, all of these things. And so when we're in a pandemic like right now, people and companies are saying that, you know what, these robotics don't get sick. They don't need health insurance. You know, we pay them, we pay for it once. And then that's pretty much it. We have to pay for maintenance, but we're not paying their health insurance. We're not paying for... Um, you know, contacts, you know, in terms of like medical and eye care insurance and stuff like that. And insurance is a huge field. So they're saying that robotics just make a lot of sense and it might be more expensive up front, but their lifespan is about seven years, depending on the, on the robot or the, uh, or the software. So artificial intelligence is basically in a really simple turn. It's just coding that writes code. It learns it's, it's a machine learning. So it's basically a, a, a brain. It's basically a robot brain that is able to think for itself to a degree. And there's different variants of that. You know, there's supervised, unsupervised, you know, so there's all different, different forms that this can work. Augment or art, augmented reality is basically where there's like uh, Microsoft HoloLens are really, really famous for these. So it's basically like glasses that you put on. And so you're seeing the world as it is, but you see projections in terms of what it is. So you can be walking down the street and you're using it for navigation it would show a blue line right in front of you. So you're not looking at your phone. You're not doing virtual reality where it's a whole different world. You're seeing the road with a blue line telling you where to go. So that's really cool. And they're using that for picking. And they're using that for a lot of different sections that, you know, the person, the person who's picking could wear these glasses 
go up and pick a product and put it in. But the glasses tell them exactly where the product is, how many to put in, and where to put it. So it basically is making humans the labor of robotics. It's using the brain of a robot with human labor, but if that really, makes sense. That is really, really cool. You know what that reminded me of? That reminded me of uh, Google Glass. No, that's actually, Google Glass is like really popular too. The first version was, eh, but they're coming back in. Yeah. Google Glass is coming back and they're using it more for this type of a setting. Google Glass when it first came out was ridiculous. Yeah. If you had had Google Glasses, I'm sorry. That was a bad buy. That was, ooh. I wish we had one of those soundboards because I would do like a toilet flushing. (laughs) It's like, Yeah. But so that type of stuff. So it's getting way more advanced. I mean, at the time, even though it was ridiculous, it was groundbreaking. So now as we move on, we see robots like robotic arms that can actually pick up a product and put it into a box, you know, or move products. We're seeing um, A-frame robotics, which is basically a conveyor system. And you load in like a shelf in terms of how many products need to go into each parcel, which is a package. So Mm -hmm. along this, and then A-frame basically says, okay, this product needs two products or this this parcel needs two products and it would drop two products in and that conveyor belt moves so it's basically a conveyor belt like this so they move and they move together and inventory is done on the fly so it's efficient to a degree but right now we're in this weird transition in terms of where people are like okay should we use robotics or should we use people or somewhere in the middle there's a lot of ethical dilemmas which is way too long for right now but i would definitely love to cover it at some point later so basically those the (laughs) <laughs> so the a-frame robots all this is really cool and basically i've done some interviews with experts in the field um and we see that right now unless a facility is being built from scratch it's not very common you know so if a new facility is being built, then basically robotics have a bigger chance of being implemented. But a lot of these warehouses have been around for a while and are being repurposed. So what we're seeing is robots like Kiva robots, K-I-V-A, which was purchased by Amazon. So those are robots that you've probably seen pictures of these. There's pictures of them in New York Times, Wall Street Journal and stuff like that. It's basically like a little robot and it has a shelf on it and it has a shelf of products. And so basically it goes around and then you take the product and you put it in and it goes to the next location. You take the product and you put it in. So it's kind of that same idea, but it also just has a, a holding concept to it. Oh, it looks like a... It looks like a room. It, like, it looks like the yellow submarine kind of, but like a, <laughs> like a, like a, like a croc. It looks kind of like a croc scale. <laughs> yeah. There's holes, there's holes like a croc. Well, yeah, and the two, the two front, it has two, like, two cameras. And yeah. like laser. So it's really advanced and it's really cool, but it's weird. So those are called AGVs. So and none of this matters. But basically, so these all, as all of this is getting developed, there's something that's getting developed on top of all this, which is called a neural network, which is basically connecting all of these devices together. They're using things like drones that are coming in and checking the boxes that are sent in from inbound. So let me go through the whole process real quick. So there's an inbound truck. So a truck comes in, they unload the product. That would be done through a robotic arm that would unload products. So a conveyor system would bring it off. A robotic arm would take it off. That truck that came in is autonomous as well. The robotic arm takes it off. It moves on a conveyor system down. Then a drone would come over and scan the boxes and say, okay, this needs to go there. This needs to go there. 
and a, uh, a forklift would come over that's automated and move the products into the right places. Then when the time is needed, like I talked about with that conveyor belt system where products need to go into individual things, basically the thing would move it back, robotic arms, or I'm sorry, the, for, the automated forklift would move the product to the right place. And then robotic arms would move the in inventory into the right locations. Robotic arms or A-frame, whatever type of robotic machine would then put the product from inventory into a parcel. It would basically move and then it would get scanned and basically check to make sure as it's running through, we get scanned to make sure that everything in the package is as it should be. And from there it gets loaded on the exact system in the reverse way, it gets loaded on a, and boxed up it's, um, and basically put on a autonomous semi-truck and then it would be put out for outbound. So this, this process sounds really short, but it can, it can be really, really, it can be a long time. So if we do this, they, these robots could run day and night. No one's getting hurt. No one's working overtime. It's, 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 it's a very effective system. So there is a lot of pros to it. So there's stuff like that. There's stuff like Locust robots, which again, I like those AGVs. So they follow you around and help you pick products. So all in all, you, do, you don't need to know every type of robotics. Just know that there's a lot of type of robotics that are coming into this field. And it's very, it's very advanced. And basically, as we're seeing is that um, I have the number up right here. So Kiva was bought for 775 million. Yeah. It's a relatively small. Yeah, that's not a purchase. huge, a huge purchase. I mean, to look at it, Amazon is apparently buying, this is a rumor, but they're apparently looking into buying AMC. Really? AMC or IMAX. Those were the two that they're thinking about buying. Interesting. So ke keep an eye on that. That's not what we're talking about right now. So mm -hmm. not you, not you, Lewis. I mean, you, we can no, talk I about this later. I, I listen. I submit to whatever you tell me to read. <laughs> <laughs> but so basically there's all these robotics. Robotics are, I'm anticipating and I would bet that these robotics are going to have a higher adoption rate right now because of this virus and, um, to, uh, employees and corporations realizing that these robotics might be a better investment. They already had to lay off most of their workforce probably. And if they didn't, they're probably looking to because of all the cost and seeing how much more efficient it can be. So I'm, I'm way over my time, but I definitely just want to send two seconds to say blockchain is going to be super important in this. The blockchain is basically going to make that entire process encrypted, which is really cool. And I think that would fit in better when we do talk about blockchain and Bitcoin but just as kind of an end to it yeah. all. It is becoming like very high tape. tech. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's becoming very high tech. And um, yeah, so supply chain has a lot of really good stuff to offer. So that's kind of my spiel for it. If you guys have any questions or any topics that you want to hear, you guys can hit us up on, yeah, I feel like we're on everything now. So we're on every platform everything. in terms of podcasting. You guys can actually comment right from there in a lot of those podcasting places. Mm -hmm. Hit up our Instagram. You can review. You can review us. You can. That would be awesome. And be like, our YouTube really bad or really good. Either yeah. Way. Either way, our YouTube. You can comment right in the video and say, "Hey, I want to hear about this," or you know, you could say, "What the hell are you guys talking about?" Whatever you guys want to say. I want to hear it. I want to know about it. I want to know what you guys want to hear. If you have any questions, we'd be more than happy to uh, accommodate and answer any of those questions. So that's kind of what I have right now for supply chain. Be sure to, um, to go on and look at, at this YouTube channel. You know, we don't have many viewers right now and that's okay, <laughs> but mm -hmm. we definitely want to, you know, kind of get some more. So stay tuned and, um, 
you know, thanks again for those 300 listeners, guys. So, Lewis, yeah. take it away. So I want to say real quick, I, I hope that our, uh, our Dublin, Ireland viewers start to listen. So watch on YouTube. I think that they have YouTube in Ireland. Probably. I think there's YouTube everywhere. Yeah. Well, we'll, I mean, we'll we, check that we, later. We had listeners in Africa. We had viewers in Asia. We had viewers in Australia. Like we have viewers mm -hmm. from all over the world. It's really cool, actually. Yeah. Maybe they'll give us, like, subtitles. I, I'd like to see that, actually. If they gave us, uh, <laughs> translate, like, if they gave us Chinese subtitles, what that would look like. And... That would be really cool. You know how, like, you know how they repost some movies with subtitles from, like, Hungary or some obscure country sometimes, and they put them on YouTube, so that's the only thing you can post? Yeah. I want us to get there someday. I want to get so big that we, that the people will post subtitled Hungarian subtitles below our videos and bootleg them. That's what I want to have. And bootleg that's them. <laughs> I like the goal. That's a, that's a very that's, big that's, ambition. That's, that's, that's my new goal for us. I like that. And one day we'll get there. You. <laughs> With so your help, guys. Yeah. We need you to bootleg it. Um, so what I talked about last time, my main thing was, I believe my only thing, I don't remember, but <laughs> it was about schools opening. Um, and this is important because as both of us are recent college grads, um, not that far removed from, from grade school, four years, but still, I mean, relatively to most people in the, in the whole world, that's not a lot, you know, we're younger than most people. Yeah, I mean, I took so, sixth grade four times, so. Yeah, so you really remember that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I, I spoke about an economist article. I'm holding it again. You can't, if you can't see it. I keep doing that. Um, <laughs> but I have it I have it in my hand, the, the magazine. And talking about how, essentially, uh, don't make a cure worse than the disease. So I was a little surprised to see this from the economist, just because, this isn't really the mindset that I, I've seen them write about before. Um, and they're kind of like, yeah, because children don't get affected as much. You shouldn't give them all the stress, extra stress, not learning. They cited Zoom as a bad way to learn. So Zoom, don't censor us, please, for, for talking about that. Um, but this week's issue, didn't talk about it again. Um, usually they have a letter section, which they talk about, uh, they talk about issues from about a month ago. So it's not been enough time yet. But a week later, someone talks about uh, the mental effects of someone actually writes in from UNICEF in New York uh, about the mental health needs of, of children and families and how this virus is impacting that too. So again, this has nothing to do with the other article, but it's someone else kind of saying, um, we need to think, we, they're, they're only saying we need to be more cautious of people's social situations indoors uh, and what the detriment is doing on our youth. So it's kind of a different thing. It's not really saying something as, as bold as something as bold as we should reopen now. And that's what I want to get to, which is my main point. The only follow-up I have, other than I think their information is right, uh, they use China as their source, which is like using Wikipedia from China as your source. I mean, it doesn't really matter. The information is not going to be right. Um, <laughs> I don't know why they thought that was smart. Um, but on top of that, since they've written this article, uh, five New York children have died and a hundred are now deathly sick. Not death, well, probably going to die uh, because of a new rare illness. I saw this on Quibi, 
spoke for Quibi on NBC News, I think yesterday morning. Yesterday was Monday. And there is now a new thing in children, which is called a pediatric multi-system inflammatory syndrome. Essentially, because these kids are getting corona in a couple of weeks, their hearts are failing and they're dying. So there is a whole new thing that we had no idea was happening. Their hearts are failing. To children specifically. This is for only children. This is not, adults won't get this. So it's like the reverse thing. It's like, oh, instead of dying from your lungs, being too full of, I don't know, I don't really know how it works, but <laughs> your lungs failing, instead of your lungs failing, that's true, your heart fails. Um, I don't know if it's because of, of blood or whatever happens actually anatomically, but the important thing is they are identifying with COVID because of your weakened state, these children are more susceptible. And this is, a, this is also new. This is a new thing that's happening. So for one thing, opening schools, I mean, this is in New York. This is the most, probably the worst epicenter of, of, of Corona. Absolutely. In the world, other than Italy, maybe. Italy might be worse. Um, maybe. Probably, I think by like, by like I think two. I saw, there is a graph. I think Italy's worse. I think part of Europe is, what did you, what did you say? I said by like two. <laughs> yeah. They have like two worst cases. <laughs> but New York itself, is very, very bad. Italy is also very, very bad. Parts of France were really affected, afflicted. So it's not the worst place, but it's very bad. So the rest of our country, maybe this won't happen in because we won't have as many cases with children. But my point here is it's really dumb to say, let's open schools up before we actually even know what Corona can do to everyone. Because the assumption is based on data from China, which again, it's just the reason it's, that that's problematic for me personally is because we're not even sure really what they've been saying about, about the virus, how truthful it is. You know, they have whistleblowers. Their, their government is, is authoritarian. They have a dictator. Like it's not something that I would just doubt or I would just take for granted exactly what it is. I would take for granted most of Europe. Um, I would take it for granted what Canada says. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just there's a point where the government's not trustworthy and they're censoring the information that comes out. And that's the whole point. It's where it started in China. That's why I wouldn't trust that information. Um, but my point is you shouldn't be writing something so stupid before you know all, everything, all the facts. Um, which this is something that's been, of course, I mean, it's not like, oh, we should have known hindsight 2020. We should have known that something worse would happen to people eventually with Corona. But you know, this is a pandemic. You shouldn't be assuming the best. You should be assuming the worst. So there's no reason to plan to do something so dumb before we have not only not a vaccine, but actually a full comprehension of the virus itself. So that was, that's my sad thing to talk about, yeah. is that people are not understanding how serious this is still and are writing about it and trying to open schools. I, I fully agree that this is not ideal, but that's really not the point. And that's kind of my issue with it is that we're not even really talking about the right thing. We're talking about, Oh, let's just ignore Corona and just go, go to school again. This would be great. We'd love to do that. We want me and Jordan wanted to just hang out in Ohio and our empty frat house for two months. But that would have been would the be best. Really that would, that would have <laughs> been the worst thing we could have done. Yeah. I mean, you have, there's a point where sacrificing for the greater good, 
minim- like on minimally we're all doing it. it's not like ju- not like it's prejudiced against people that were in school everyone has to stay home so just be smart about it don't write things that are stupid with information that's not good and we're going to be a lot better as a society this doesn't just go for them it doesn't just go for the spreader it's just everybody just be just like make sure what you're saying when you said out loud isn't like oh wait people could die because of that exactly um, make sure you're saying credible things that are yeah credible and just make arguments that would you actually send your kids to school right now like just fully yeah, really think about yeah really think about that you can say whatever you want and you can public. protest and whatever but would you actually yeah. be okay with that mm-hmm. that's, that's that's the question you should ask yourself and again maybe you don't have kids maybe you're writing this because you want to say something and that's totally fine but just please put a disclaimer that's like i am not a healthcare expert i am not a school expert and i don't have kids so like say all those things and then you can publish it and then people can be like, all right, this person, I'm not going to read this. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's what you can do. You can put it on like Reddit. I mean, don't put it, don't, don't put it in The Economist. Okay. <laughs> don't put it in The Economist. That's what I have to say about that. That's my expansion. Um, I do want to do, because do we have any extra time? So right now we, only, we have three minutes left. So can you okay. see that as well? You can see the remaining time. Are you asking me if I can see the remaining time? Yeah. Because the answer is no. Okay. Well, we have three minutes left. Okay. Until Zoom so, takes us uh, off. So. I'm I'm done with that. Uh, all I would like to say is I would like to do a quick book endorsement. Um, this will just take one minute. I would like to endorse. Background looks really good. For, there you yeah, go. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> a random walk down Wall Street by Burton Malkiel. This is a finance book that is a great guide to investing. It talks about ETFs and it talks about random walk theory, uh, which is about how beating the market, beating the market is not a reasonable expectation and not what you should be doing. Um, he updates it every couple of years. This is the second to most recent edition. I got it five years ago. Um, it's a very good read. It's a little long. If you really just want to like get to the point, it's more in the middle is the point. And then he just elaborates more, which is great. Great more information. But I kind of do a book recommendation at some point every week. And I believe that this is something that everyone should read if they would like to invest. So that is my two cents. I would stand behind that. I'm not going to personally tell you how to invest, but I, if you want to go out and get that information, it's available. So that is my recommendation. Well, I think that's a very good recommendation. And I think adding, adding book recommendations would be a very good part of this podcast. Thank you. So good job. I decided to do it right now. That, I, love it. All about. I love it. Going with the flow. Yeah. We're just, we're learning. <laughs> we're just going. Yeah. So again, if you guys find anything that you think we would like, you know, feel free, feel free to hit us up. You can also email us at businessbluesandbooze at gmail.com. Spell it's, uh, yeah, pretty much all the same stuff. So you can hit us up on that Gmail, which we would be more than happy to hear from you guys. Um, and if you find any articles or anything like that, we, it would be great to hear. So in summation, I'm Jordan. I'm Lewis. And thanks for listening, guys. We can't wait to see you guys soon. Have a great evening.